Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We are glad to be with you for episode number 48 on this Monday, September 11th, 2017. Here to guide you through the world of retro wrestling, I am Joe Morata, alongside the one and the only Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy diddy. How's it going, man? Good. Ready for another week of the world of retro wrestling? Wow. A whole week? <laughs> a whole week of retro? A whole week of retro. Are we going to be on every day this week? I, are we? I, I, you know what? They can be. They can put. They can play this episode every day. Yeah, then, then we're on every week. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much, of course, for joining us as always. As we creep toward the end of Season 5, Quinn, some big things in store, I understand. Some negotiations yep. for the finale in a couple of weeks. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money Spent on this money. one. <laughs> yeah. And folks, of course, here this week, we're going to be talking about some great retro wrestling topics before we get to any of that we want to remind you as always to look for us and find us and follow us on the twitter at ovp podcast and on the twitter you can tell us anything you want you can send stuff to us including the giffies quinn yeah the jiffies and the moving pictures and whatever you want whatever you want random thoughts send it over to us absolutely you can send over how we were wrong about mount rushmore (laughs) and anything you want that's right you can do that and of course you can also do those same things via email Yes, email. Electronic if, mail. And you have to have a return address. Yes, you do. And if you want to do that, it's ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. Quinn, we do have a website, ovppodcast.com. And on that website is our suggestion box. Yes. Among the various links and things that we already have on there, which yes. basically everything we've ever done, <laughs> you can tackle the suggestion box. And when you go to the suggestion box, click suggestions on the top. Yeah. And then there's an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. And on the Excel spreadsheet, you can put your name, serial number, <laughs> um, the, the topic, and the, the style of topic or whatever. Yeah, the style. segment. Segment. The flavor. Yeah. And we will do our best to get to any of your suggestions. Another place where uh, you can talk to us and any of the other fans that are a part of that community is our Facebook group, Michael Quinn. Yes, the Facebook group where all the goings and comings and goings and happenings and things, that, mm-hmm. that's where they happen. On Facebook. You go on there, you type into Facebook, our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast, but you don't go to the PR page. Just yeah. don't, you can't join that. No, it's not. You go to the, the group. Right. And on the group, mm-hmm. you hit join, and then we approve you, mm-hmm. and then you're in, and mm-hmm. then you can join in the fun. What do they do on there? Well, they talk to each other about old wrestling. Perfect. That's just, what we do on the show. Like, it's like here, but in like written form. Yeah, only text form, right? Yeah, exactly. And other people get to share their viewpoints instead of the two of us for an hour and yeah, 40 minutes. two of us knuckleheads. <laughs> so, Quinn, not only can they uh, talk to us knuckleheads on the Facebook group, we, um, in audio form, were hosted on SoundCloud, but we wouldn't necessarily recommend listening to us there there's some other places to well, do that yeah i don't recommend them because they're always going out of business <laughs> right like, perpetually yeah, they're exactly. like the tna of like sound <laughs> well anyway 
you can go over to Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, and you, over there, you can subscribe mm-hmm. or you can leave a review. Yep. If you like the show, leave a five-star review. If you don't like the show, leave a five-star review. Yes. Um, you can say it sucks, but... It sucks just, five stars. The five stars. Yeah. Right. Whatever. So leave that. Pretend you're Dave Meltzer rating the Japan match. Right. Just every show is five stars. <laughs> exactly. Just like Dave Meltzer. <laughs> There's not just that. No. Right? It'd you be- can always go to... Um, Google Play Music. <laughs> yeah, because everyone does. Yeah, Stitcher, yep. FM Player. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, Otto and <laughs> Griswold. I don't know. Yeah, Griswold Radio. Uh, yeah, that's that's really good it one. probably exists, actually. But, you know, we're all over the internet, basically. Yeah, all kinds of places, including yeah. the com. That is the only place to be in your pop culture world. I heard that somewhere, yeah. And over there on placetobenation.com, you can check out some great podcasts. There's a Place to Be podcast. They talk about the old stuff too yeah there's some kind of mother sip of some, some kind of gold standard yeah <laughs> and then there's a bunch of other ones and one of them is really good it's on the pro wrestling only feed it is hosted by one lonely man and that would be Petey winson little Petey, <laughs> and he hosts greetings from allentown uh which is a show where he reviews old wrestling shows oh i like old wrestling me too we it, should actually do that sometime. we should do a podcast about, about old, wrestling. old wrestling yeah. exactly so be sure to check out place to be nation.com and michael Quinn, to start our show, you have the first pick, and this is going to be, why did they bother? And Quinn's going to ask me and ask you folks at home why they bother with something. What are we talking about today, Michael Quinn? Well, we got got a doozy this week. Do we? I'm just going to get straight to the point. Why did they bother with Dino Bravo? (laughs) Wait, like like the wrestler, like him in general. Why did they bother with him? Wait, like why did WWF have him? <laughs> yes, why did anyone have him? <laughs> well, Dino Bravo is not necessarily a golden child on the internet. He's no gold standard, that's for sure. Absolutely not. He's no mother sip. No, and I guess we'll do a little bit of background on Dino Bravo. Unfortunately, I think yeah. we should. Even though he's known as being this like Canadian guy, you know, Mr. Canada, basically, Mr. Quebec. He was Quebec. the best of Canada. He was actually, Quinn, did you know this? He was actually born in Italy. Well, he's a liar then. <laughs> he, he's more like the Italian's strongest man or whatever, right? Yes, his name is Adolfo Bresciano. And uh, unfortunately, he was born in the part of Italy where some of my family, you know, a few generations back is from Campobasso. So, so are you like Joe Bravo? I could like, be related to him. That's the scary part yeah. here. But anyway, he is perhaps best known as being a very horrible wrestler, I'd yeah, say. one of the worst I've ever seen. He's a fixture as far as bad wrestlers are concerned from like 86 until like 91. Yes. If you want a bad, meaningless mid-card match, Dino Bravo was your guy. I don't even know why he was in the mid-card. I don't <laughs> even think he deserved that. And, but he was. He was like always like a mid-upper carder. It's unfortunate. I, I think the Brooklyn Brawler was a better wrestler than he was. He might have been, actually. It's possible, he right? He might have been Brooklyn's strongest man, too, for a while. Mm-hmm. So without, we'll briefly gloss over, I guess, his early career. One thing I want to mention is that he actually took the ring name Dino Bravo from another wrestler in like the 60s that used to have it. So he's not even good enough to like have his own unique name. He right. just rips it off someone else. Yeah. What a piece of crap. Like seriously. <laughs> Bothers you. On top of the junk that we had to endure, there's that. We started enduring his WWF junk in the mid 80s. I think it was 85 or 86. I remember you and I watched what must have been one of his first WWF shows, Quinn. Yeah, where he has the brown hair. <laughs> he had the brown hair, and he was announced as the WWF Canadian Heavyweight Champion. Okay, first of all, when did WWF have a Canadian title? I think that one night. Yeah. <laughs> 
Dino Bravo, the Canadian heavyweight wrestling champion. He is a sensational athlete. Liar! 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 He didn't even have a belt. He had a coat that just said, like, Canadian champion on it. You always called it the master's yes, jacket. It was the, you know how when you win the master's, you get the green coat? Yes. And it, there's no, like, trophy for the master's. No. It's just the coat, right? You get the coat. That was the title I for Canada. I think it was. Yeah. I think you're right. And he was a face in that because I think that was at, um, it was in Canada. I think it was maybe Maple Leaf I don't know or something like how- that. Canadians would think of him as a face. He's Italian. He's not even Canadian. <laughs> That's true. But anyway, here's what happened with Dino Bravo. We'll, we'll guide the folks there through his WWF career because they didn't have one after that. So mm-hmm. this is the meat and potatoes of him being a visible, um, and I use this term very loosely, superstar. Visible and superstar <laughs> yeah. are both loose terms for Dino Bravo. So after that, like whatever appearance, I think he was kind of sporadic. Then a big deal was made of him at WrestleMania 3 accompanying the Dream Team, which was Valentine and Beefcake. Okay, let me say something about this. They're not very good either. No, I like, mean, that's pe- a, people act like they are. I don't have a problem with Valentine, but Beefcake being like a dream team with him, like, I, how is that a dream team? I think the main thing that worked with the dream team, Quinn, is that Valentine did most of the work and Beefcake only tagged in sometimes, so it made them seem like they were cohesive. But what about them made them a dream team? Like, a dream team would be like the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. Martin Howell's favorite. Yeah, not, but I'm saying, like, not those two, but regardless, right? Like, so that disbands or whatever, because, you know, the, the cutting of the hair got, and all that. You know, it was weird like, the way they disbanded, though. It was like they won their match and they still, like, kicked Beefcake out, remember? Well, it had something to do with they were mad Beefcake at them. wasn't as good or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, that was a weird thing. Look at these three beauties. They've left Brudai inside the race. Well, every time I watch that, you can, like, tell, like, they were already kicking him out in yeah, kayfabe. in kayfabe. Like, it was like they were just using this as an excuse. And because, you know, Dino Bravo makes it more of a dream team. <laughs> yeah. So then what we had from WrestleMania 3 until about October, November of 87 was the first bad Dino Bravo thing, the new dream team. Awful. Accompanied by their manager, luscious Johnny V. He refers to them as the new dream team. It was like a pink nightmare. Greg Valentine. How? Like, and Dino Bravo. Who thought that that would be good? <laughs> who? Like, who? He sucked. <laughs> he was never good. And he never was good after, and he never was good before. What, in that moment, would say, you know what the dream team needs? Dino Bravo. <laughs> yeah, screw this Brutus Beefcake guy, this younger, up-and-coming guy. Right, right. Get rid of him, because what Valentine needs, and what the fans demand, is Dino Bravo, this unheard-of, like, guy from Canada. The Canadian champion. And I believe that's where he started to um, bleach blonde his hair, right? Was it that, that is correct. It was He already had it by then. Which, I don't understand why he needed to, because it's not like Beefcake had blonde hair. I think the thing was, is from the 50s through the 80s, the bleach blonde hair was usually a heel did that. Yeah, but Beefcake was a heel in there, and he didn't have bleach know. blonde hair. He like, was already I, balding at age like 27, though, so <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you wanted to mess with that. Yeah. So, by the end of 87, Quinn, what happens is Johnny V leaves, thankfully, because he wasn't that good either. They disband the new Dream Team. Thank God. Really. Valentine goes off with Jimmy Hart, and then... To really make matters better for Dino Bravo, Frenchie Martin <laughs> becomes his manager, and this is where we get phase two of Dino Bravo's an- the, annoying career. Probably the most horrible of Dino Bravo. This is when it probably the, is. the push with the lifting of yes. the weights and Jesse the body's involved. Right. 715 pounds. 
Unofficially on the bar. This guy sucks, Joe. <laughs> like, he is literally, like, one of the worst wrestlers on the roster, full of stars. Absolutely. You're totally right, Quinn. Yeah. I, I cannot dispute that at all. He actually ate up about 25 minutes of time on TV at Rumble 88, lifting weights. Mm. Did no favors, right? Then at WrestleMania 4, we are subject to a really crappy match with him and Don Morocco. Yeah. Oh. Then at SummerSlam 88, we're subjected to a very crappy rematch between him and Don Morocco. Because, you know, the, the first time was so great. Let's say it again, <laughs> right? Right. And then at WrestleMania 5, we are subject to him beating, at WrestleMania, Ronnie Garvin. So well, <laughs> that's like the irresistible shit, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the immovable shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, what's weird about that is didn't Ronnie Garvin feud with Greg the Hammer Valentine, his former tag partner? Right afterwards, yeah. yeah. Right so afterwards. that's strange. I guess, like, you know, they just were like, oh, Dino Bravo, not good enough. Let's. <laughs> yeah, let's just. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Let's go to his tag partner. So here's what happens after WrestleMania 5, Michael. Crap. This. this- <laughs> This is the end of the Frenchie Martin era, and now we move into, I might consider this the worst, the Jimmy Hart-Dino Bravo pairing, where Bravo, until he leaves, is just a big lackey that sucks. I did multiple push-ups with this big 460-pound man sitting on my back. He's just an earthquake goon, basically. <laughs> for like the rest of 89, yeah. for all of 90. For all of time. Into, <laughs> into 91. I think they should have just stopped Dino Bravo's run with 88, and that would have been it. All he was at that point when he was like the goon, he was like literally this waste of time on Superstars. <laughs> like, oh, we got to kill like five minutes, send Dino Bravo out to beat up some jobber, and no one cares. Yeah, and didn't he uh, injure Bret Hart in 89? Yes, he famously, <laughs> if you watch Wrestling with Shadows, <laughs> Brett's telling Beans hard or Fireman hard or some hard in a car about how like Dino Bravo like screwed him over basically. You know, I broke my uh broke my uh, sternum there and I had to lose that match by count out in front of all my Canadian fans. <laughs> devastating right it was so <laughs> devastating but that's the thing is like speaking of his wrestling right not even brett could get a good match out of not this only guy. could he not get a good match about him, but he wasn't even safe he he wasn't he was mr steroids from yes. like 88 until the cigarette incident and, yeah and we'll get to that but we will that was literally all there sloppy. was to him it's like look at these steroids everyone <laughs> like that's that's all there is it's true though see people i've seen a couple of people here and there perhaps you have too, quinn that ironically are acting like he was good or something they need to stop like will you stop like it's (laughs) apropos here will you stop here's the thing with him yes he was a good heel in the sense that there was nothing to like about him i'll give him that his promos were annoying he was like he wasn't likable but you know who's like a good heel that that you can appreciate harley race or like the macho man (laughs) yeah exactly rowdy roddy piper right like bravo's not good to watch there's nothing fun to watch about dino bravo i don't think he, I don't think he's being intentionally hateable. He just is. Nobody, like, he comes out like, I don't want to watch this. Like, that's how I feel. Is and, there is there a good Dino Bravo match? No, I've never seen one ever. Like, and, and not even, like, I'm not even talking, like, I'm expecting, like, five-star matches. I'm not even expecting four or three-star matches. Right. I don't think I've ever seen anything beyond, like, two with that guy. He had a, this is going to sound nutty, but I think he had a pretty decent one with the Warrior on WrestleFest 90 Coliseum video. That might have been the best match I've ever seen him have. Who cares? And that's what I think of that. Okay, well, that, <laughs> if that's the highlight of his career wrestling-wise, I guess you have a valid point there, Quinn. Right. 
I just want to wrap up his career because it's kind of short. You know, okay. he kind of gets snuffed out, if you will. So, <laughs> so as we move towards the end of 1990, right after the Survivor Series 90 last week, we did that Superstars. Right. And he's still like barking about Hulk Hogan and stuff. He thinks he's so good. Like, he thinks, oh, I'm a veteran now, right? Yeah. Like, I can beat up Hulk Hogan. Like, what? No, no, <laughs> never, never. And no he- one ever thought <laughs> you were good enough to touch anybody that was even like the Intercontinental Champion. It's true. His biggest win, I think, was probably against Don Morocco or Ronnie Garvin. Who cares? Exactly. And then he looks horrible at WrestleMania 7. Yes, win. he Your comes thoughts? out and he looks like a beaver or a chipmunk and his hair is like slicked back. And I'm like, what the hell happened to this guy? He has like cigarette face. Look away. I'm, I'm hideous. <laughs> Okay, I think now's the time, because that's kind of like the end-ish of Dino Bravo. Yeah, the the basic thing with him is, after WrestleMania 7, you didn't see him much more. He did a few returns in early 92, mid-92, with the brown hair. I'm sorry for everyone who ever saw a match <laughs> And he was just that. a big... Ch- you know how Don Morocco looked in, like, 93? Yeah, he's, like, super fat, he was, and, he like, looked like, his that. face looks strange, just and his like, hair's different. Big puff and everything. Yeah. And then in February of 1993... <sighs> so... We come to find out that Dino Bravo was in bed with the mafia. Yes. And he was selling illegal cigarettes, meaning like those without the tax stamp on it, basically, yes. right? Contraband so illegal contraband, in Quebec. right? So apparently this dumbass decided, you know what? I'm gonna screw over the mafia. Yep. And you know, I don't really need to say what happened to him, essentially. <laughs> like, what do you think would happen to him? And that's unfortunate. Yeah. But back back to his wrestling. So did he ever do anything good? No. So they shouldn't have bothered having what him that What a sad long. end to a bad career. I know. And like, it just, I, there's nothing positive I can say about Dino Bravo. There really isn't. In fact, before we wrap up here, our pilot episode of our show, which was really just a sound test that I was helping Quinn do something on a different podcast he was doing at the time. And it's not yeah. a thing, so don't look for it. Quinn's not anywhere else. It's not real. It's not like an ongoing thing. But I was showing Quinn uh, how to use the equipment and stuff like that. And our pilot episode, which is about five minutes, it was just us talking at like one in the morning. Yeah. Was specifically on the topic of Dino Bravo yes. and how much so he sucks. We had to eventually talk about him again. <laughs> and I thought, why did they bother is I mean the, the perfect topic there. And I, I guess to close it out, why do you think they bothered? I don't know. I guess maybe this. Maybe he was reliable in terms of he would put anyone over that they asked him to. That doesn't make it worth it. Maybe I, he never missed dates that he wasn't supposed to great. miss. Here's the problem with that. Yeah. This is a time when everyone was a star in this company. Well, I mean, there, for the most part, there is no room for people like him in the in the late. Eight, I'm serious, def- like okay, and define people like him, just so I have a feel. Guys for- that are just mid level nothing, like <laughs> seriously, An like insignificant nothing, right? Yeah, I, and I get it. He was in the business for a while. I'm not like disputing his like tenure or whatever, but like mm-hmm. tenure doesn't make you good. No, that's that's certainly true. Just because he was like around for like 15 years or something doesn't make him like, oh, well, I guess he should be in WWE. <laughs> Like, he just should have never been there. He never did anything significant. No, he no big moments. He's not a part of any good matches. No. His career, it was so long 
for the tiny amount that he accomplished. And that's kind of the reason he gets a why did they bother? Because that's why it's so questionable is because he was he just never left. He, he was, was just there for so long. Yeah, and it's not like he was like a, there for a really long time, but also did good things like a Tito Santana yeah. or somebody like that. You know right. what I mean? Where he actually did have a significant career at some point. Mm-hmm. He literally never did anything that actually mattered from what I can yeah. understand. He was just a waste. He was just kind of a waste. So folks, we want to know what you think of Dino Bravo. Are we wrong about something? Did he have a good match that we don't know about? I don't know about those. (laughs) And do you think they should have bothered keeping him as long as I did? Let us know. You can do that on Twitter. You can email us. You can go to our Facebook group. Quinn, let's go smoke an illegal cigarette. When we come back, (laughs) we've got Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. Back after this. Is there ever, like, there's no good Dino Bravo match. Like, literally. I don't know of any that exists. You can't name one. Even, like, Bret Hart couldn't do it. His career is so forgettable. And you know what's another thing? It's like, now I'm, like, trying to think of, like, Dino Bravo stuff, and I keep interchanging him with, like, that Greg Valentine, Ronnie Garvin feud. They're not related. They're not. But it's just weird because you could, like, imagine him there. He's not even in the same class as Greg Valentine. He's not even the same class of Hands of Trash, Ronnie Garvin. That's and that's hard because yeah. Garvin sucks. From Harley Race to Hulk Hogan, Ray Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin, you're listening to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Glad to be with you for episode number 48 here on Monday, September 11th, 2017. Quinn, it's time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. Is it? It is, and I suppose I should mention, I forgot to at the top of the show, this week we are doing all of our own picks for the first time in forever. Yeah. Next week, our second to last episode before the finale, we're doing all your picks. Yes. Next week will be all fan-requested segments. Fan-favorite episode, I (laughs) guess. Exactly. So this is our last chance to kind of get our kicks in here and just pick stuff that we wanted to talk about. And Quinn, I have the pick for the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. And this week's topic is... Ring announcers. Oh, boy. (laughs) Now, a good ring announcer, Michael. Should get you kind of hyped up, but not be not be too much of a, you know a superstar in their own right. Right. But should get you hyped up for either a title change for the match that's to happen. They should not make too many mistakes. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> they should be clear, well spoken, but give you that overall feel of like, oh man, I want to see this match. Yeah, you concise know, and concise. Yeah. So Quinn, I have the pick. You have the stick. What do you got? So best, best, best. Well, my first pick would have to be. <laughs> Howard Finkel. <laughs> there is absolutely no argument there. Howard Finkel is the gold standard, if it you will. It doesn't get any better than Howard Finkel. I mean, like, when he gives me the rules to the the rules to the Royal Rumble, <laughs> I, like, get goosebumps. There That's how go. good he is. Yep. To be eliminated, a wrestler must be thrown out of the ring, over the top rope, and onto the floor. The one wrestler remaining in the ring after all 30 have entered will be the winner. And of course, you know, anytime he announces a new champion, 
Yeah. You know? And new, whatever it might be, yeah. right? Whether it's heel or face. With Finkel, it sounded important. Right. With Finkel, it sounded larger than life. It sounded like history was being made whenever, like, he announced a Dino Bravo match, even. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> <and> he, <laughs> nice callback. Yeah. And he had an authoritative voice. Yeah. Where it actually sounded like this guy knew who he was announcing. Right. You know, he knew how much they weighed. Yes. <laughs> he knew where they were from. He knew the rules and stipulations. Yes. And he could even, when he needed to, play up stuff like the whole Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> thing yes like and how they feuded yes exactly yeah. he is by far the best ring announcer that there ever has been in wrestling he was good for anything he was good for anything i think he's a unanimous no question about it we just put him in and he's the george washington on yeah this rushmore there's howard finkel and then there's everybody else right so for number one howard finkel there are other good ones I right. think it's fair to say that not and not any of them imitate Howard Finkel, which is the cool thing. Yeah. Anyone that else that is good is good in their own way. Right. You know who's like really good? Oh. Gary Michael Capetta was always solid. Yeah. I always liked Gary Michael Capetta, and he was in WCW and WWF. He was. He was in WWF in the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, and, even in like the original like Vince McMahon era, like yeah. Vince McMahon's junior junior era. era, he was there. Yeah, and he had a different voice. He kind of had that more of like that old timey boxer voice, boxing yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he was closer. Ladies to, and gentlemen. Yeah, you know, a little closer to a boxer yeah. announcer. This next match, that type yeah. of thing. Where yeah. It's very nasal, very narrow, you know. Yeah. From Puerto Rico, 248 pounds, Max Rivera. Matt Rivera. It is great because it, it makes a big fight feel or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And he's really, really good. Do you have another one you want to volley at me? Here's one I just want to try you, but you know, this, you're going to laugh at me because I can never remember his name. It's that guy from WrestleMania 10. Bill Dunn. Bill Dunn. That guy was okay, actually. I don't know. You think so? I don't think he's like Death Valley, but I think he's like, he's worth conversation. He kind of sounded like he needed a cough drop all the time. <laughs> From Calgary, Alberta, Canada. But I don't you know? know. He just, he. From Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yeah, but I always envision like Owen Hart's music after he like says something for some reason. <laughs> like, he, or like. Doink! Like yeah. or something. <laughs> well, he's also a King of the Ring 94. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Dunn was um, their backup announcer from, I think, 93 until about 95-ish. Yeah, but 96. I, I he was okay. They used him a lot. They did. He was before Tony Chimmel became their secondary announcer. It was him. Right. And he was just always kind of there. I don't know what Fink was doing at the time. But Maybe they were just lightening his workload a little bit. Yeah. He was okay, but I mean, Gary Michael Capetta, I think, would be oh, up yeah. there, right? Oh, yeah. I just, I want to throw it out yeah. there for conversation. I think Gary Michael Capetta is a solid number two. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that well, would really make a number two spot. Before we put him on, we yeah. need to discuss others like... um what about Melissa Santos, who does hey. our show? She does introduce us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Melissa Santos is an interesting case because, first of all, I know people are going to be like, well, what's retro this week, you know? Well, this is my thing. If Go you're, ahead. If you're making any top list, you kind of have to include everything. Well, if you, yes, that's true to an extent where if she's already established herself as one of the best. Right. 
then it doesn't matter. There's with ring announcing, it's not like it's like a career yeah. where like she could ruin it or something. Exactly. Like, it, unless her like voice stopped working and she's still announced. I, I don't know. Like I don't know how else it would like you know what she is at this point. Yes, like, exactly. There's no changing it. And you know what's interesting is when we first started watching Lucha season one, yeah. One of the things I noticed, and it's not physical, okay, even though Melissa Santos is a very beautiful woman. Yes. Was how good she was at ring announcing. I know that sounds stupid, but she's, she's really good. Okay, she she's all the things we name, like concise to the point, just it makes it sound important. Energetic. All that stuff. Energetic. But also, she could do the stuff that like Fink we talked about with the like, I don't like this person, like with Marty the Moth and all that crap. And with um Pentagon Jr. Yeah. She always announced him with that disdain in her voice after he attacked her that one yes, time. She kept the story going, yes. right? Like she was good at continuity. Absolutely. And that was to me, what's excellent about her, we're talking about her like she doesn't do it anymore, but like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yes. what's great about that kind of ring announcer. And her opponent from Jalapa de la Cruz, Mexico, Pentagon Jr. And then also with Cage, you know, they're dating in real life, so she would always get a little extra excited when yeah, she the, introduced Cage. the crowd kind of knew because yeah. it's the age of social media. The so five, five, nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd be a little more excited about him. Introducing first from the five, five, nine. They call him Cage. I think Melissa Santos is actually like a real, like a legitimate contender in uh, Rushmore. I'll tell you this. In an era, and I don't mean this in a sexual, you know, discriminatory way, because I really don't, because I think Mike McGurk was really good also, but in an era where everyone's trying to be the next Lillian Garcia, and they all yeah. suck for the most part, right? meaning they don't sound good doing mm -hmm. it. It's not a sex thing, yeah. because there's plenty of bad male ring no, announcers, it, too. it's either you're good at it or you're not. Correct. It, that's not a, a female not a male or here. whatever. Yeah. Melissa is the best female ring announcer I've ever heard, yeah. and one of the best ring announcers I've ever heard. How However, I think if we're going to talk about her, we at least need to get Gary Michael Capetta on as number two. Okay, well, let's put him on. Let's, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. All right, so for number two, Gary Michael Capetta. Who else do we have here? We got, we have David Penzer. He was good, too. He was the guy that took over in WCW in the mid-90s. Yes. His opponent from Chicago, Illinois. Through the end of WCW and then into TNA, right? Did he do some TNA? I, think I don't he was remember in TNA necessarily. Too. But yeah. David Penzer, very I good. always thought he was great. Like Solid. He, he made it sound important. He's mm -hmm. very professional. Mm -hmm. I never liked his stupid cummerbund that was like colorful or whatever, <laughs> but that was like his gimmick, I guess. He was good. What do you think about Tony Chimmel? Tony Chimmel. The Raw and SmackDown announcer starting in, like, in 97-ish when Finkel stopped doing it as much. And he oh. kind of did it all the way into the 2000s. Yeah, he's okay. He was all right, right? The, yeah. the following contest is, you know, yeah. that very kind of dry voice. It wasn't that good. You know who's really good, actually, is Bobby Cruz. Yes, ROH. Bobby Cruz. Bobby, Bobby Cruz, Cruz is yeah. awesome. He's still doing it. Yeah. He's, like, been their ring announcer Bobby forever. Cr Bobby Cruz. Wow. Yeah, he is up there to me. Introducing first from Sin City, weighing 218 pounds, the Fallen Angel. Considering he only did Ring of Honor, he could like go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like that guy is great. 
I met him actually at ROH. Did you? Uh, I did. Okay, yeah. I think I was there when you met him. Yeah. I met Bobby Cruz and nice Just guy too. Nice guy, fantastic ring announcer. Really? I have no issue with Bobby Cruz. Hmm. But I don't know if he's better than Melissa Santos. Melissa Santos is good, and I'm not just saying that because yeah. she does our intro here. We got her to do the intro because she's the best. We sought her out because yeah. she was good. She's really good. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to do it, I think. Because I think Melissa has definitely got to be on there. She contributes to the show without taking it over. Right. Which is what a ring announcer should do. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't detract from it. Yeah. And make a horrible mistake every time they do something, like right. some others have. I've never seen her make a mistake, but that's an edited show. It's an edited one. show, but one way or another, she's got the talent, she's got the ability, she does a very good job at it, and I don't see how she can get knocked off, and I don't care if Lucha just started a couple of years ago, I think she's one of the best ring announcers I've ever seen. Agreed. Put her on? Yep. Number three, Melissa Santos. Well, you've mentioned Bill Dunn. <laughs> yeah, Bill Dunn. But I think David Penzer is better than Bill Dunn. But what about Bobby Cruz? Bobby Cruz is great. Yeah. He really is great. Yeah. And I know that he was never in one of the mainstream promotions. Yes. But obviously you're hearing clips of the people we're talking about as we do this. Right. So it's not like you don't get a feel for what we're talking about. Yeah. So, I don't know, Bobby Cruz, that's not bad, really. I think right. he's better than Penzer and then uh, Bill Dunn, definitely. I don't yeah. think Bill Dunn's that good. I don't know. I kind of like him, actually. Really? The guy that just announces Owen Hart all the time because of King of the Ring? He's so good, though. I don't know. I'm surprised. Calgary! I'm surprised you don't like him. Cy Yeah, Cy Sperling. Cy Sperling! Think about it, though. He made Cy Sperling sound like a big deal. (laughs) I can't know. There's no way he's going... You know, Donnie Wahlberg was a great guest ring announcer. I was just going to say, Donnie Wahlberg should be in Mount Rushmore. No, I'm just Can you imagine if he's number four? (laughs) Yoko Zuna. (laughs) Oh, man. I might go with Bobby Cruz, actually. It's either Bobby Cruz or Penzer, I think. I think so. I'm trying to think of any other notable ring announcers. Because for whatever reason, you can't agree on Bill Dunn. I don't think he's that good. I I never did. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know you. I've known you 18 years. I just always thought he sounded fine. Yeah, I I was great with him. Quinn's a big Bill Dunn fan this whole time. Is that Kevin Dunn's, like, brother? Maybe. (laughs) Then no. He could have been in Well Done. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, Bill Dunn's not bad, though. Bobby Cruz, though, Quinn. Yeah, I guess my the only thing going against Bobby Cruz is like, like that whole he hasn't been in a big promotion thing. Yeah, but Bill Dunn was like a WWF announcer for a couple of years. Bobby Cruz has an outstanding body of work. Is he still working? Like I, I, think I don't he's watch still Ring of Honor. Announcer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. He's really good. He's fantastic. You know, Lee Marshall was a ring announcer. <laughs> Tony the Tiger. Yeah, yeah. in um, AWA, I think, or maybe he was only a commentator, but in WWF. He used to do some shows. Oh, yes, you're right. I do remember that. And I like Lee Marshall. I never got the Lee Marshall hate. I never got it either. I mean, if he could be Tony the Tiger, then how could he be bad at anything? He's great. Yeah, he's really great. Thank you. I think David Penzer, actually, it's like we've we've talked all these things, but I can't think of a bad thing about David Penzer. In all honesty. Yeah, you know what? Like, (laughs) David Penzer was the voice of of WCW, ring announcer-wise, during their best period. Right, in their height. You know what? David Penzer is a good number four, and he was also a part of TNA. I think he's still doing TNA. Are you sure about I that? I don't know for sure, but I think he is. Does he still wear the cummerbund? The, he probably does. The rainbow cummerbund? I think so. Wow. David Penzer's good for for number four here, because he presided over that whole NWO era. 
Yeah, and I just envision like his voice. Yes, or hear it. I guess in, like yeah. when I think of WCW back then, in and, the same way that you do with Fink for their golden era. Right. You think of David or even Penzer, the Attitude Era, or even the Attitude Era. Yeah. You think of David Penzer for the '90s version of WCW. Right. Gary Michael Capetta and then David Penzer. Yeah. You know what? That's fair. Yeah. I'll put him on David Penzer. You want to do it? Number yeah, four. Let's do it. All righty. Well, you know our friend Donnie likes it when we recap things. Yes. So here is our Mount Rushmore of ring announcers. We've got Howard Finkel because, I mean, <laughs> who else? Who else? Yeah. Gary Michael Capetta, an underrated voice of WWF, WWF, and WCW, and WCW. Great, different, yeah. totally different voice. Yeah. Melissa Santos, yes, the voice of Lucha Underground and the she, Indies and as the well. Indies. Yeah. She's so unique at it. Yes, she is. She really she has her own style. Yeah, she's very good at it. She happens to do the intro to our podcast. Yes, but she really is good. Like she's no excellent. no bias. Like no. I, I when I first heard her, I thought that's like one of the best ring announcers I've ever seen. Yep, absolutely. She puts emotion and passion into it. Right, fantastic. And then David Penzer, another under the radar guy you know the wcw yeah. ring announcer that you would notice though if he wasn't there he he was solid david penzer was old reliable old reliable yeah very good so quinn you had the first pick for the best i get to have the first pick for the worst and i'm going right for the jugular michael oh boy i am going right to the top i am going to the highest paid probably ring announcer ever a waste of space a waste <laughs> of alleged talent and a waste of money for wcw in the 1990s quinn michael buffer well, yes. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> like, all the garbage things they could have done, right? right? They decide, like, you know, we need the biggest, best mm-hmm. ring announcer of the time, I guess. He was, because he was boxing. Very notable and yeah. very good for boxing. He was a great boxing announcer. I'm not going to... But for this? God! For what? wrestling? Why did they spend... So much money to have this fool trot in once a month on pay-per-view and announce the main event. So, he, he what was he paid, like a million dollars a I year or something? I think at one point he was paid, like, our match. <laughs> a very absurd amount of money, maybe a million <laughs> per appearance. Oh, God. And people wonder why WCW was hemorrhaging money and going out of business. Now, this guy brought his freaking, I'm fired up about this, boxing shtick. Yes. To the squared circle of wrestling. This is a guy which I'm not sure if I can verify, but he would do this kind of thing. Like, for example, he would announce Ric Flair as Rick Nature Boy Flair. Like, he stuff like he would, probably he would just, did. Like, yes. make up shit. And like, then he was weighing in at 247 a one quarter pound in the purple trunks. Yeah, the quarter pound. <laughs> like, what the? Th- there wasn't a weigh in before this, Michael Buffer. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And he would sometimes make up nicknames and like, yes. accomplishments. He is the man that defeated Haystacks Calhoun. It's like, what? Who, what? Did that really happen? Or did it happen recently? I don't know. <laughs> From the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, a 276 and one half pound, a former member of the tag team world champion, Steiner Brothers, ladies and gentlemen, Big Papa Pump. And he just overall, it was just too bombastic. It didn't fit wrestling. No, it didn't. And he would get things wrong, like <laughs> Brett Hitman Clark and all that. That's my favorite is the Brett Hitman Clark. To face the reigning United States heavyweight champion, Brett Hitman Clark. He, he didn't even know like what was happening. No, he like, was literally there to say like 15 sentences. He always had a cue card. Yep, and then collect his stupid paycheck right. with his gray hair and leave. 
terrible. He was a waste. He contributed nothing. Zero. Yeah. Because what they were going for, obviously, was that big fight feel, but it wasn't organic. The problem was is they used him on everything. So, like, World War Three with Michael Buffer, it's like, why is it at this pay-per-view? Like, <laughs> like I get it if it was, like, at Starcade or something, but it yeah. was at every pay-per-view. He was at everything. Yeah, he was even on Nitro. <laughs> he was sometimes, yeah. right? For, like, a big main event or something. He has to go on as number one, right? I'm not yeah. crazy, am I? Um, you're probably not. And about just one thing on the over-the-top, I, I feel like I remember him, like, making shit up about Hulk Hogan, like, when he came to the ring at that. Always! Yeah. He always always made shit up he yeah. like listed off accomplishments he would get their weight different than like yeah. what anyone else would say right. yeah you know and he would always mention that what attire they were wearing and yes. all this weird oh, shit in the black trunks yeah. and dude it's not boxing yeah. okay like we're ready to rumble okay we're yeah. already ready uh he's got to be number one and folks by the way at any time let us know your Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of ring announcers. You can do that by tweeting at us. You can email us or, of course, go to our Facebook group. All right, Quinn, are we putting him in? Yes. All right, number one. Die, die, die. God, awful. What do you got for number two, Quinn? Well, the only logical number two would have to be Vivian Garcia. <laughs> She's or, a number two, or Lillian right? Garcia, as she was born yeah. with. But... <laughs> you know what I have to say about her? What? Championship! Exactly. This is, okay. <laughs> we touched upon briefly the gender roles here. We put Melissa Santos in right, for one of the best. So do not misconstrue this yes. as gender bias here. No. She sucked. She was really, really bad. She never pronounce things right she, i she had a weird cadence where, yeah like this is what i hear this is the 2000s for me <laughs> champion shot yeah exactly and it's that's not melodious it doesn't sound important nope. it doesn't get you excited mm-hmm. there's no like look when fink announced a new world champion we said this it sounded like it mattered yeah with a, and and from Montreal, Ontario, Canada, she is the Divas Champion, Money. That's that's what she sounds like to me. Just yeah, oh, yeah awful. What's funny is she said herself she doesn't think she's that good. I know, which is okay, I guess. No, but I, I'm. We it, never said she said she's good. You know, yeah, <laughs> but exactly. Still, but a lot of the respect for her is simply like tenure. Again, with the tenure, like right. Gino Bravo. Right. Again, like. It doesn't make her good. No. I don't know why she was employed for so long. I guess they just didn't give a shit or something. I like, guess they didn't. Yeah. She would get weird stuff wrong. She would misannounce stuff. Well, here's your winner and still the World Wrestling Federation Champion, Chris Holly. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to find a clip of it, where she said Kurt Angle was from Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. And his way to the ring. <laughs> she was not good for the first like two years also oh, as other yeah. things. She's awful. Awful. And she just hung around, but it she always detracted from a big moment for yeah, me. Yeah, and then she would get into her like singing. Great singer. She's a great singer, but I don't know, like it just bothered me that they would like do that, but she's the ring announcer. Like it takes away from what she is. I guess she also did some backstage interviews occasionally. Yeah, but she was that's fine. what I mean. My point is, is that she didn't seem like this was her full-time gig for whatever reason. Well, it wasn't. That's a yeah. thing. But yeah, she never seemed quite invested, I guess yeah. you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. She is probably a real sweet person in real life. But I don't man, have a problem with her as a person. No. It's just she sucked at her job. She was bad at it. I'm yeah. sorry. And not like 
look, it's ring announcing. I know it's not rocket science. Yeah. But you can either take what it is and, and do something really great with it. Yeah. And be really distinguishing, like Howard Finkel was, like David Penzer, like Gary Michael Capetta, and right. even like Melissa Santos. Or you could take it and just kind of like, you know, yeah, and, exactly. and just, it's unnotable. Just kind of phone it in. If she had only done it for like a year or two, you know what? She probably wouldn't even come to mind as one of the worst. Right. It's because she did it's the like same 15 thing. 15 years or something. Exactly. For so long yeah. and not ever really being good at it. Yeah. And that's why I want to put her on. Are you okay with I'm that? I'm okay with it. All right. So for number two, Lillian Garcia. Die, die, die. What about, and I know you said you liked her, but Mike McGurk. Hmm. What's your Let problem? Let me make my case. Yeah, I just, she feels yelly for some reason. And like, kind I, of yelly. Yes. She, even though she's yelly at the same time, it feels like she's talking into a bathroom or something. Like, Hmm. from Calgary, yeah. Alberta, Canada. Yeah, that's a good point. I Oops. don't know, like, why. Like, hmm. it, nobody else sounded like that, but it, it's just <laughs> like, true. and the whole, like, ring conductor or whatever she was. I don't know, like, circus, circus conductor. conductor. You know, that it's interesting you say that. For folks, if you don't know, for any viewers that don't know, Mike McGurk was actually the WWF's first female ring announcer. Mike is uh, short for Michelle in this right. case, daughter of Leroy McGurk, a wrestler. She started in like 87, yeah. 88. She was there until about 93. She was their B announcer, basically. It was Finkel, right. and then it was her. She was on a lot of Coliseum home videos. A lot tapes. of Coliseum. She did Challenge, and Bobby always made fun of her every right. single time. Yeah, That's like that whole like Farrah faucet, and he's it's more yes. like leaky faucet, <laughs> like, stuff like that. He always buster balls, and they tried to make her like a like announcer, announcer like with gorilla and stuff in the in the yeah. in eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah. yeah, she did some commentary, not good. I don't think that. She kind of is on the same level to me as Bill Dunn. I think she's worse than Bill Dunn. I think she's just as good no, as Bill Dunn. No, yes, get out of here. Absolutely, she's fine. Joe. You know who's worse, Quinn? Who? Tell you'll, me. I think you'll agree. Remember Justin Roberts? Yeah, I mean, he is like, he's like whatever, but I think that for considering the time, they didn't need a whatever. They needed like somebody good. Yeah, I know. And he, and he, to me, he was like Michael Cole Jr. like doing <laughs> ring announcing, like John yeah. Cena. He was just a little dweeb. <laughs> I just That's don't a, like him. Remember when Daniel Bryan choked him out? Yeah, with his tie, and then, and then like fired. Daniel Bryan got fired from, in real life, like for a month to, yeah. for, to like save face. They like, I swear, I've heard this story from Daniel Bryan and Justin Roberts, and basically everyone involved mm -hmm. is literally they told Daniel Bryan like. Listen, we're going to fire you for like a month. Just go do indies or something. It's like, you're coming back. It's just, we have to do this. Like, like I, I don't think he was very good at all. Yeah, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't like boisterous enough right. or something. And he, he just seemed like a baby. Right. Now, folks, if you're wondering, well, why are we talking about the quality of their voice? I'll tell you why. That's their job. That's their job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what they say is less important than how they say it in most cases. Yeah. Although they want to 
say it correctly, but that's only one part of it. It's also how you say it. Yeah, there's a cadence and like a, a loudness, I guess, like yes. a boisterousness of it. Finkel it's like, had it. Yeah, it's like that importance, how you were saying with Finkel. And Capetta had it in a different way. That but, very, that narrow, but projecting, you know? But Robert's over here. He just sounded just, like if I did ring announcing, honestly. Yeah. And I don't have a horrible voice or anything. And I know we do a podcast and our voices, I guess, matter. But at the same time, we're not professional yeah, like we're not ring getting announcers. tons of money by a multi-billion dollar corporation right, to, to do, do that. Exactly, which leads me to JoJo. <laughs> and Come you, on! Do you like her? She's She's okay. like, I'm like indifferent to JoJo. I liked Eden. She was Eden okay. Again, okay, like her and JoJo actually to me are on the same level. Oh, that's blasphemy. Come no, on. No, it isn't. No. It's just Joe. Eden on. was so much better than JoJo. No. Yes! JoJo was better. Well, then Mike McGurk is better than Bill Dunn. Bill no, Dunn might be one of the no. worst, actually. Get out of here! What are you talking Dude, about? Dude, he's a cough drop, man. No, you're wrong. Laryngitis over there. He, at least he made it sound important. I mean, like we said, he could Oh, make yeah, good. This. He made Cy Spurling sound That's important. That's fine. Yeah. You're going to really try to put him in here? No. <laughs> Can get, I? Get out of here. I'm trying. Bill Dunn for... No! <laughs> no! He's fine. I, I think we go Justin Roberts for number three. Okay, Justin Roberts is fine. I can I can accept that. My main reason is you said a lot of it is he, his voice didn't work right. for for being a Just ring not announcer. Important enough would have probably been a great commentator backstage announcer. He was essentially like a, a boy, like that. Like yeah. he was like that, like Michael Cole dweeb that you make fun of in the back. Exactly, and it's unfortunate, but you know he wasn't that guy. I thought he would be good. I mean, he honestly looked like he was brought in to be like in the same vein as Sean Mooney. Like, that yes. kind of thing. And I'm sure he's a great guy. Another yeah. thing where I'm sure he's a great guy in real life. I don't yep. know why they let him go. Remember they let him go a few years ago? No real reason. Yeah, I think they were just, they were like, he's been here forever, and he's not really contributing much, and yeah, bye. They, sh- they did that, they should have done that with Lillian. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, tenure, tenure, whatever. So, I don't know. I'll go with him for number three, yep. if you're okay with it. I'll go with him. Justin Roberts for number three. Die, die, die. We got one more, so I guess Bill Dunn. No. <laughs> and, no. I think Mike McGurk. No! Re- yes! Absolutely not! Mel Phillips. Yes, Mel Phillips. Their other backup announcer. Now, I actually need you to explain to me why you hate him so much, because I'm not fully sold on this. Like He's another one where his cadence is pretty bad. Yeah. He just doesn't sound like he gives a crap, really. <laughs> he's not someone you can envision announcing anything important. Uh, he's also a terrible person. Yeah, with the feet fetish and the... Yeah, or the, whatever all that was. The kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He was just bad, and anytime I ever saw him crop up on something I was watching, I was like, oh, man, really? Yeah. You have to deal with it him. Just said, he made it seem mediocre. Like, Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, I guess this isn't important because Mel Phillips is doing it. Weighing 280 pounds, the junk yard. Quinn, I'm glad we really take this so seriously. You know, <laughs> we're tackling the hard hitting issues here on OVP. Yes. So if you if you expected the next Dave Meltzer, you're yeah. in the wrong spot, folks. Hmm. Uh, I would have to say that Mike McGurk is much better than Bill Dunn. But are any of those people better than JoJo? No. But she, is she even yeah, the worst, though? She's not even... Here's the, Okay, I think those are the three we have to deal with. That's the problem here, right? I and am not putting Mike McGurk... I, mm, why? What's so <laughs> bad about her? She's just not good. Listen, 
It's just, again, it's that unimportant, like, she just feels like she's collecting a paycheck. Um, she sounds like she's talking into a toilet. That That's I, a like, point in her disfavor, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, what else, the stupid, like... The ringleader costume. Ringleader costume, like, it's a little much for me. Her name is Mike. Her hair, like, looks like a hat <laughs> instead of actual hair. I like her, though. <laughs> Why? Why wouldn't I? She's great. Leaky faucet, really? Come on, Bill Dunn sounds like I'll he just out of here. ate a box of nickels. I will not nickels. accept Bill Dunn. I'm accepting Bill Dunn. Okay, wait. If you won't accept Bill Dunn, and I won't accept... Here we go, the bartering. Yeah, or, or you won't accept Mike McGurk, and I won't accept Bill Dunn. Why yeah. we, JoJo seems like the logical, like, only one left. That Mel Phillips. Oh, Mel Phillips, He's too. fuck him, with the kids and the toes. You know who he reminds me of, for whatever reason? <laughs> Count that, Chocula? <laughs> no, the Yankees, like, announcer now. <laughs> you know who I'm talking fans? about? Fans? Yeah, fans? Oh, like, fans? Yeah. Come out to Yankee Stadium for a $1 Dunkin' Donut gift card. Yeah. And we put Mel Phillips in, Fine. please. Okay, I'll I'll settle on Mel it's Phillips. It's also a terrible person the other the other people aren't he's like okay? the crisp of ring announcers <laughs> okay so die 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 okay so folks that is our mount rushmore and death valley of ring announcers we want to know yours because this is very important yeah it really matters it's so important so start the arguments about it on facebook but in the meantime quinn when we get back it's getting hot in here so take off all your clothes what back after this White trash and rednecks! The following contest is a non-titles knockout handicap match scheduled for one fall. What that mean is for on one. <laughs> Introducing first. What do you think about that? Show Sean Jones! Sean Jones Bolt! Rush! You got three and a TNA knockout champion, awesome, strong, the group known as Confucius. I believe that's Contourized. Contourized right there, here they come. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Quinn, it's time for our last segment. We are reviewing something. Uh, yes, we are. It's getting a little hot in here. You know, it's... Yeah. Uh, take my coat off or something. <laughs> I know why. We're reviewing Sunday Night Heat. Oh, are we? We are. Wow. Now, folks, Sunday Night Heat, if you were a fan in the Attitude Era, this of was... Wrestling. A, of wrestling. Of wrestling yeah this was a big deal when it was promoted and debuted yes it was a huge deal i i remember thinking wow there's gonna be wrestling on sunday night before i go to school it's yeah. gonna be great it was gonna be great because you got your monday wrestling right you loved raw yeah why not have more wrestling the day before raw yeah and you even had saturday night on saturday so like the weekend was jam-packed now with wrestling it was beautiful and if you liked both promotions too you had thunder on thursday mm. Thunder. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. yeah. But, <laughs> no, but Sunday Night Heat was a one-hour show yes. on the USA Network, yes. and it debuted on August 2nd, 1998. Now, a brief history of Heat is it ran on USA until, remember in late 2000, they switched Raw from USA to TNN? Yeah, Spike or whatever yeah. you, they call it now. They switched Sunday Night Heat to MTV. 
Right, in the year two thousand. So that was because MTV was in the same like family of networks as Spike. So yes, yes. Viacom, I believe it was. Yeah. So it was on MTV for a few years. Then it went to TNN for a little while. Right. And then it was web only, and it was on, believe it or not, as a web only show until two thousand eight. Yeah, before WWE Network, and this was, from my understanding, it had something to do with they were done with the show. But the American contract had expired, but they had other like locations like UK. Canada, UK yeah. or whatever. So they were still obligated to film the damn thing. So they just put it on their website. Right. For the American fans, because they were like, well, we got this crap. But it's like, <laughs> just put it on here. But it didn't start out as crap, Quinn. No, it didn't. It's, I mean, they, they wanted it to be good, I guess. It was a very auspicious debut. In fact, we are reviewing the first episode of Sunday Night Heat. Yeah. Usually we don't touch these first episodes. But Sunday Night Heat was interesting at the beginning because it actually was like, I guess, planned to be a thing. It planned to be a thing. It was live. Yeah. Which was crazy, right? Because Raw was live. Yeah. Raw was live most of the time. Sunday night. Sunday night live wrestling. Yeah. Weird. So let's get right into it, Quinn. As we get to the original intro here, you told me we're heating it up. Yep. We're heating up here. It's like (laughs) NBA Jam and and the Sunday night is going to be heat. I don't know. You said the intro looked like crap. Yeah, it does. It's like all these just junky, fast clipping. Like it looks like the DX intra- entrance or whatever. Your favorite. Like, yeah, it's like ugh, like just too much crap happening. <laughs> Flames everywhere, and like Mark the, Henry, like Undertaker, like doing his lights thing, and it, it's stupid. So right as soon as we get to the arena, Vince wanders out. Yeah, and he introduces the world officially once and for all. To Shane McMahon. Why did he need to introduce him? Wasn't he known by now? No, he wasn't. That's the thing is he hadn't officially been formally on screen as a character at nah, this well, point. Well, I knew him as a ref at this point. Well, yeah, we all yeah. knew him as a ref. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so he comes out to the heat music with a couple of ladies. A couple of beautiful ladies. Well, they're headed our way, King. Hey, King. Oof. Uh, <laughs> this couple of young ladies. Yeah. These girls are really young. They're really small. Like <laughs> small. They are. <laughs> They're young. And yes. it's just it just goes and it starts this whole like this show's kind of smutty thing. It's that's a recurring theme yeah. here. You actually said to me, "What is this?" Yeah, I was so confused cuz I don't remember this at all. Well, they they're going on and on about these girls yes. and they're like going to sit with us on commentary the whole show. It's amazing. With mics. Yeah, it's live so good. mics. So so this is how this starts. JR and King are at the table and JR's like, "Oh, I didn't know Shane McMahon was coming out yeah, here. Yeah. We were supposed to be here." So then Shane comes over, he saunters over yeah. to the announce table, puts on a headset, and he's immediately annoying, by yes. the way. He actually would go on to be annoying for nearly 20 years <laughs> and counting. Ah, come on, he's not that bad anymore. Yeah, you are. Welcome to Sunday Night Heat. What's yeah. going on? Are we he is still annoying. He's a nice guy, though, in real life. Nice man. I like him. So he and the ladies both get their mics. King, of course, is already like, oh, wow. Yeah, King is like in full puppies mode, uh-huh. and like the girls are like, making stray comments they don't even i I don't know who they are yeah they're just some they might have been shane's like actual like people he went to high school with or something we know i know i'm serious we don't know who these women are but they're there the entire show but we actually get a pretty pretty interesting opening contest here quinn it is edge very early on yeah you think you know him 
Yeah, they, they <laughs> ask us the question in his music, do you think you know me? A million times. And <laughs> and he's fighting Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, this is like when they wanted Edge to be a single source, but didn't know what to do with him. You're you're pretty much right. Like, he was just kind of there. He was almost, you know what he kind of reminded me of? I don't know if they were going for this or not, but with the long hair and the gothic and the dark, were they trying to make their own raven? Maybe. That might have been what it was. Right? So it's the Jeff Jarrett with tennessee lee so just Ugh. no just just no and he still has the shitty attire Ugh. the whole like the, the, the strappy straps. straps on his chest and he's also he's, got really big pyro too yeah and he's just some bizarre remnant of the new generation i never got what the point was here and whose idea that was because when jeff jarrett left the wwf in 95 quinn yeah and then came back and left right again in early 96 right he resurfaced in WCW as the same Jeff Jarrett attire, mm-hmm. but they totally downplayed the country gimmick, right? Yes. He wore the attire, but he wasn't like Mr. Country. Right. Then he comes back to WWF in late 97 with the Aztec warrior costume. For like a second, with the orange boots and all that crap. With yeah. NWA. The NWA version. But during that era, he had always like shat on his old persona yes he was like i'm not no country music guy anymore or i'm whatever. a wrestler yeah then he goes back to it yeah with tennessee lee which is colonel robert parker and a or, waste of him yeah a waste because i always thought he was funny rob parker in wcw and probably down in his own territory well you know we reviewed that territory <laughs> yeah, is awesome yeah he's great he's a talented guy from what i understand mick foley wrote about him in his book a really nice guy yeah everyone liked him and a great talker fun entertaining like nothing too serious don't worry about it being serious or hard-hitting right just fun yeah just super fun guy the whole uh sherry martell thing in wcw and just his whole like cadence and mannerism in wcw in general but here they gave him a stupid name yeah tennessee lee really i mean it's just basically like Colonel Rob Parker, just a different name. And, and But they put him with Jeff Jarrett. And yeah. by this point, I remember watching as a fan, I was like, why is Colonel Rob Parker here? Yeah. And why is Jeff Jarrett still look like well, that? Well, the thing with the Colonel Parker gimmick is it didn't fit in with the Attitude Era. That was really the big problem. And it's a shame because he's funny and stuff. He is. But like, it fit more in with WCW. It just even, did. even in WCW's like edgy era, yep. he could, he still, it made sense that he was there. Yeah, because he was never really involved with the NWO. He just did his own thing in the corner well, he there. he cower to the NWO yeah. too. So, anyway, we see the ladies and Shane at the announce table, and they have the best graphic on. It yes, says, it's so good. Shane McMahon and friends. Yes, it's awesome. <laughs> they're and they're so the show, smart. Folks. They're so smart back then. That's like, you know someone thought of that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Shane McMahon and friends. Yeah. So, anyway, to the match here, Jared attacks the start, but Edge takes over with a flapjack and a spear, not called so by name. Yep, not yet, at least. Nope. Jack Doan is the ref, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, Jared throws Edge to the outside and baseball slides into him. The girls on commentary say nothing important. No, they're like, hey, hey yeah. <laughs> oh, punching. Ah. <laughs> like, that's literally all they do the it's, whole show it's true and they barely talk but when they do it's always like if the wrestlers like get close to them they're like oh, 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 oh. protect us <laughs> we have him Jingle, though, I'm a hey, hey, hey there you go now you're talking I, I was gonna say they look like they're in pretty good hands with shane there jr i'm sure they are <laughs> reverse russian leg sweep by jerry and he goes for a flying crossbody but edge rolls through for two yeah 
You were hoping that was it, Quinn. You yeah, were hoping that was, was the like, finish. Yeah, this is this. Okay, enough. Like, it, <laughs> and this show, by the way, I know it might be spoiling it, but there's a lot of matches on there's this show. A lot of matches. They were really trying to start this off with a bang yeah. here. So now, I'm surprised at the length of some of the stuff on that. I yeah. know this is long. One of these girls, apparently, we find out was a Playboy lingerie model. Yes. Um, and they showed the magazine <laughs> yes. and everything, and Jr. was like, "Huh? Uh, so you're naked? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I mean, you were naked? No, Jr. It's, it's lingerie. There's clothes on. Like seriously, that happens. And then a makeup person comes out and puts makeup on Shane. Right. Which I don't understand why, like, if that was supposed to be kayfabe. Or... I think it was supposed to be like, oh, look at this rich asshole. Like, ah, and, and, okay. You know what I mean? Like, he's getting his makeup changed. I need some makeup. I'm yeah. Shane. What the ass is happening in the show? <laughs> I because... don't know. There's so much going on. It's like you got these Playboy girls yeah. and, like, these guys wrestling, but they're not really paying attention to that. They're like, look at these girls. Right. <laughs> and JR's like, oh, so slutty. And, <laughs> and King's like, puppies. And so there's, like, a sensory overload. <laughs> So Edge with the snap suplex for two, and then he does another one, and then a really crappy like face busting thing. Jeff Jarrett looks all shitty here. Yeah, he's just getting his ass kicked. Yeah, right? I'm surprised. Like Edge is really good against yeah, him. He's like he's killing him, kicking his ass. So then they go in for the old roadie Jeff Jarrett spot. Right. You know where Jarrett lost the title to Sean. Right. So what that is is Jarrett calls the spot to. Tennessee, Tennessee Lee. Lee says, okay, I'm going to send him over to you, but he gets reversed, but Tennessee Lee, because he's looking the other way, because he doesn't want the ref to know. Uh-huh, he hooks the leg. He hooks the leg, but it's Jeff Jarrett. Exactly. Reversed. So, Edge gets the win, and then Jarrett kind of shoves Lee and leaves the ring. That would actually lead Quinn to them breaking up very shortly. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's sad, because that's the last Parker ever was yeah. involved in anything. But it did lead to Jeff Jarrett cutting his hair, and then hitting people with a guitar for 20 years. And teaming with Owen Hart. And never drawing a dime. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Never drew a dime. He broke 6,000 guitars. Never drew a dime. So then Mario Lopez, that's right, A.C. Slater from Pacific Blue is here. Yeah. Remember that Great. show? Did yep. you watch it, though? Admit the, it. The Bike Cops? Baywatch on Bikes. Um, it was I the watched same thing. the premiere episode, I think, because WWF was like, it's so good. Yeah, that's why I did, yeah. too. It was okay. I mean, it wasn't good. Wasn't there wrestlers on it or something? I remember Triple H on it. I okay. think... The Rock? I don't remember. That I know, makes sense. Yeah, no, The Rock was on um, Star Trek. Remember, <laughs> he had right. the Voyager. Yeah, he had the eye. He had like a third eye <laughs> yes. in his head or something. The people's third eye. Yeah. So then we get a promo for, uh, I guess, like, come see the WWF live. Yeah, Omaha, Des Moines, <laughs> Cedar <laughs> Rapids, Moline. Great. What a great cities. No yeah. offense if you're from any of them. Yeah. We're from the New York area, so forgive us. No, but I, I do remember these ads, like the whole calendar shown on the screen. Yeah, and I remember that. Like, so... I don't know. It was a nice little blast from the past, if you will. Blast, yeah. DX is here. So, are you uh, are you ready? Great, <laughs> fantastic. DX. And, but it's not. It's not all of DX. It's just Triple H, X Pac, and China. Yeah. And X to the P to the A to the C, uh, as he says. And her weird dress thing that China's wearing. So it's like, not like it's like a bathing suit biking thing. Like very I don't know. Strange. It's weird because China doesn't usually look all ladylike right. like that. So it's not like, ninety eight. Yeah, it's very weird looking. And they're here to be interviewed by King. Wonderful. I found that weird because I didn't realize that yeah. they were still doing in-ring interviews. I guess they were. By that point in 98. Because usually by then, it was, you just come out with mm-hmm. the mic right. and talk. 
There now, usually wasn't someone in there don't they talking. Make, yeah, and don't they make fun of, like, King, like, saying he's, like, dressed like Liberace, Liberace or yes. something? Like, yeah, Triple H does this whole stupid Michael Buffer thing speaking of it, yeah. you know? Blah, 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 let's get ready to suck it. Quinny said to me, you hated that Triple H was the leader of DX. I hate this, because the whole thing is, like, this jabroni, <laughs> who basically was, like, a Shawn Michaels goon. Yep. He almost lucks into this because Shawn Michaels gets hurt. Like, there was probably no plan to have Triple H lead DX ever. I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. Like, I why? don't know. I don't know why. No one gave a shit about Triple H. Until Shawn Michaels, no one cared. And they barely gave a shit when he was his goon. True. Like, seriously. Triple H needed China to help him get a bit of a push. Right. Triple H needed Shawn Michaels. And Triple Rick H Rude. needed Rick Rude. Triple H then, later on in his solo career, needed Mick Foley. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a natural charisma, did he? No. He I mean, now. it would develop later, yeah. but not here. He not had a here. developed charisma. He, he was way off at this point. You're absolutely right. So King asks uh, X-Pac here about their match tomorrow on Raw against Triple H, right. where the winner meets the Rock at SummerSlam. I'll tell you the truth. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that being how we got there. Right. But I, I guess it was, there was, it sounds like there was something going on where Vince McMahon was trying to break up the X. Yeah, Vince was pitting them against each other. Right. So, yeah, he says XPAC. I don't yeah. really think we need this word spelled out. It's yeah. pretty, it's Pac. Triple H and XPAC are nothing but pros. He says Vince can suck something. I think he means it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> then Triple H like goes into the whole history of DX about how we did what we wanted, uh, and we kicked asses, uh, and we showed our asses, uh. Yeah, and what's up with his horrible <laughs> sunglasses? He's got these weird, like, tiny glasses that are, like, orange. He looks like Ozzy Osbourne, he looks right? Like an idiot is what he looks like. He needs to go away. I've had enough of him. So because it's 1998, Triple H is like, all right, let's get some tits in the crowd. Yeah, this was weird. Yeah, this was weird, yeah. actually. He's like, we want to see the goods. Uh. Yeah. Who wants to see the goods? Let's see the goods! So <laughs> girls just start flashing him. My goodness, my virgin eyes, Quinn. Yeah. So this starts, right? And I'm thinking these girls are plants, right? Right. But then the first one flashes, and then the girl next to her flashes, which I think they're the plants. I but then so. he points to another, like, just random part in the crowd, and they go, they point the camera, and there's just some random girl, yeah. like, decides to do it too, and they show it, and they put the censor thing on. I, I, I am never <laughs> going to be the same after seeing this, well, because my my eyes, Quinn. You're ruined. <laughs> yeah. I'm just ruined now. Yeah. This is 1998, though, and by the way, King is just hopping around the ring this oh, whole time. Oh, he's being, like, the comedic, like, ah! Yeah, like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And Shane's getting all happy too at ringside. Aren't we near the point where that one time where like Sable like took her shirt off and then King like yep. on his tippy toes like, We're right like zoomed it. into the into her ah! boobs? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're right past that. You know what? I just realized this. This show needs a produced by Vince Russo credit. <laughs> yeah, it should have just said that at the opening. Because we're, what, a quarter of the way in, and we already have all the Russo trademarks, we right? We had these basically like these Playboy bunnies at the beginning, and then these girls taking their shirts off. Suck it, right? Suck it. Suck it. All this stuff, and no one cared about the wrestling match that was in no. the ring. That's Vince Russo. There era. was one match, and no one cared. No one cared. And that's a theme. No one cares about any of these matches. Yeah. Because as Vince Russo would always say, you know, bro, you need <laughs> to keep people from changing the channel. I am not going to give the viewer one opportunity to switch off this show and see what's going on on Nitro. 
Well, I mean, who's going to change it when this kind of stuff's going on? You know, you literally don't know what's going to happen. Plus, what are you going to turn on? 60 Minutes? Yeah, on Sunday. <laughs> Sunday night. Yeah. What are you going to watch? Yeah, so- you could go watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, for free. For free? It's just on USA. You don't have to go on the internet or anything nope. weird. So, hey, you want to buy the limited edition Austin 316 baseball jersey? It's only $39.99 plus $9 shipping and handling. How about no? <laughs> $9 shipping. Are they serious? It's a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it so expensive? How heavy? Is it? Like, how many packing peanuts extra do they have to put in it to get it to $9 shipping and handling? And why? Austin never played baseball. Yeah. I don't, that's bullshit. Yeah. That's it's, like, it's so, really you stupid. want the rock bowling shirt? This is like a guy who drives like a truck and a yeah. four wheel and he doesn't care about baseball. No, he's never like, oh man, I really want the Rangers to win. Yeah, exactly. Stupid. Welcome to Draws's world. What? What, yeah, what was so, this? It's like the real world, you know. Like, and it's even filmed. It. I will say this: it's a clever vignette. The way it's shot, like very to the point, like exactly how real world is. Here's the thing, though. I watch this live, and I watched. I swear, every episode of Raw in 1998. Yeah. I do not have any memory of Draws's world. This, these were vignettes they ran, but designed dra- to teach you about Draws. Basically, dra- yeah, Draws had debuted already as yeah. Puke, yes, and now he was phasing over to Draws. draws. Yeah, Darren Drawsdorf. We see him puking on Mark Henry, right? While, while Tom, they're like practicing yeah, or something. It was before they had OVW, but it yeah. was like whatever dojo they used to call. It was whatever probably in the basement of Titan. Seriously, Vince's garage. Yeah. And Tom Pritchard's like chuckling about it. Yeah. Like, first of all, why? They were like, Tom it was Pritch- so funny yeah. when he puked on Mark Henry. Had little chunks in it too, you know, like beans and corn. Who and cares? <laughs> and then we get to see Draws's ass tattoos. Wonderful. I really wanted to. Our next match is the Headbangers yeah. and Draws versus Kai and Ty. Now, in case anyone listening isn't familiar with any of the things I just mentioned, <laughs> yeah. the Headbangers were Mosh and Thrasher, and they were they, kind of like supposed to be like grunge, grunge sort of. metal thrash guys. Now, I will say this about them. They were kind of ahead of their time because in the when they debuted... They weren't. They didn't have characters like this. Like True. that, they were like grunge metal guys or well, whatever. Well, Rad Radford. Yeah, but I mean, like these guys were like, like they seem like the real deal. Yeah, they wore dresses and everything. Yeah, but by '98, they actually like make sense. It made sense. Yeah, like they made like so they don't look out of place at all. No, and I know you're not a big Headbangers fan, but they're fine. You got to give them credit. They were a solid tag. Oh team. yeah, they were reliable. They were always there. They gave a pretty decent match. They weren't bad yeah, or anything. It's not like they won a lot. They yeah. usually put people over. They right. were okay. And they're teaming with Draws versus Kaienta. No, Kaienta <laughs> had come over from Japan yes. earlier in 98. Yes. They were <laughs> in Japan Awesome. They were called Kaientai DX, not no relation to Degeneration X. Just another It was just their name. DX, I guess. And they had Takuma Chinoku with them in Japan. Right. He had yet to join them here in WWF. He right. was still a face. There's like Dick Togo and Dick Togo, um, and Funaki and then the other guy, Terry Boy, but I forget his uh, other Terry name. Terry Boy. Yeah, yeah, but I forget his other name. Yeah, Men's some- Toi Men's Toi or yeah. something like that. But anyway, they were Men's tail. They were great wrestlers for yeah, what they were. They were really good. They but really were. They were like midgets compared to like everyone in the WWE. In the WWF. And not only that, 
they had Mr. Yamaguchi-san. Wally Yamaguchi, yeah. Yes, and he is, like, the tiniest man I've ever met. Like, he might be up to my chest in, like, real life. And the way they played up their characters, look, I would never accuse an upstanding man like Vince McMahon of (laughs) anything nefarious, but I feel like there might have been a hint, a tiny particle of racism here. Yes. (laughs) Okay, good. It's it's not just me. I mean, so... So let's get into it here. They they basically we're going into the choppy choppy pee pee angle. Yeah, we get a uh, a recap of that whole thing where Mr. Yamaguchi San San he has a wife right, and Val Venus is having um f- Val Venus and friend yeah <laughs> okay Mrs. Yamaguchi San yeah is, has is like very friendly with Val Venus like she has decided that I'm not going to put up with this midget anymore. She and, doesn't want the sashimi anymore. Yeah, okay? she wants the hashimi. She, <laughs> I don't know what the bigger version of that is, but <laughs> so to demonstrate his discomfort and anger with this, yeah. Mr. Yamaguchi San has a table on the Titantron. This with, is a recap we're watching. Yeah. With a big salami. Yeah, huge-ass salami. And a big sword that they call a Ginsu knife later. Yes. And he's like, I'm going to chop it, chop it, your pipi! Yes, so he does that. And But, you know, now Miss Yamaguchi-san is sleeping with Val Venus. Yes, Mrs. Yamaguchi-san is sleeping with Val Venus. Right. So Venus comes <laughs> out, out. And he I comes love, out. By the way, I noted this to you at the time. I love Val Venus's video. Is like the first thing you see is like a screw going into a hole <laughs> what does that mean Quinn? i don't know let's let our our fans figure if it out if you guys know what that means let <laughs> us know so venus comes yes with mrs yamaguchi and he's like groping her yeah, or something so he... like over the top um <laughs> Quinn, you did say to me though this match might be five stars well but it's got japanese guys in it but unfortunately draws, draws. yeah we'll have to see yeah so it look here's the deal with this match okay as if you care it's floppy tag wrestling here and no one cares about it because it's 1998 and the main angle is someone chopping someone's dick off right you exactly. get it you well, have, i mean that is pretty fascinating you i have, mean will he do it you have five out of the six very talented wrestlers <laughs> draws was okay yeah headbangers are pretty good kind is great yeah but it's 1998 <laughs> So no one gives a shit. They're all interested in the porn star guy yeah. maybe getting his dick cut off because he's right. hooking up with the Japanese man's young wife. Right. That's 1998. Now, we looked her up. She's not too young. I we mean, did look her up. You you thought she was like 16. I'm like, what are you talking about? They like did this whole thing where she was like in bed with him. Like, it's she, was, she was 23 years old. She was perfectly like of age like Fine. anyway jr here calls the face team the jersey trio yeah Ugh. which what like i didn't remember anyone ever calling them that i knew the headbangers were yeah. from jersey i forgot draws was but he is yeah. and mrs yamaguchi gets rubbed by the venus on the outside <laughs> so shane mentions how mr yamaguchi is gonna use that ginsu and he's gonna choppy choppy <laughs> meanwhile this is a match yeah. oh also king isn't at the table anymore by yeah. the way because hr told him to leave according to jr wait i I didn't hear that. Is that real? <laughs> yeah. Well, while while that was happening, you were looking up, uh, you know, Mrs. Yamaguchi. Yeah, I was trying age. to figure out like, is this like legal right now? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Kyoto is the ref, by the way. Yeah. And uh, Draws gets a sit out power bomb for the win. Four and a half stars, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a Japanese match, so yeah. I only take off the the yeah. three quarter stars for that yeah for the draws i mean so the venus here slides down the ramp but doesn't get it up into the ring he does however shove mario lopez out of the way what is this i don't know first of all okay 
hold on. He sends Mrs. Yamaguchi-san, right? Who I'm assuming is, like, in love with him, right? And K-Fob. So he sends her back, right? So now yeah. she's not looking. Right. So then he goes and tries to seduce, like, Cornelius or whatever her name is. Outside. Amy Hunter Cornelius. Yes. From Pacific Blue. Yeah. So I think I'm just... Like, what is, kind of asshole is this? Well, He's supposed to be the face? This is this is my thinking, Quinn. And, and this could be a stretch. I think he wants to have sex with her. <laughs> so Slater here says, hey, Preppy, and then he hops the ramp. <laughs> Basically, I mean, literally, that's what happens. Like He hops over the guardrail. He's a he's an upstanding gentleman. He tackles Val Venus to the ground. Yeah, he makes Val Venus look like an idiot. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, that would never happen in the 80s. No, never. Like a celebrity getting like, he actually, like, Val didn't get any revenge. Nothing. Like, nothing. No, and, um, you know, you might say that's a little bit of shrinkage there for the Venus. <laughs> yeah. How did he explain this to Mrs. Yamaguchi-san afterwards? <laughs> Let's recap TitFest 98 from Fully Loaded Quinn. Right. This is What where- is this show? <laughs> like, we just got done with the Mrs. Yamaguchi-san and the screw and, right. and Mario Lopez. And like Salami or Bologna getting Fighting over cut. Cornelius. <laughs> and now we're on to TitFest. Yeah, so TitFest, this was from Fully Loaded 98, the pay-per-view where Jacqueline... And Sable yeah. had a bikini contest. And, and basically her boobs are bigger and Sable yeah. wins. That's that that was the I line mean, of thinking, basically, right? right. Now this for the record, I want to mention this. This is a very important point if you're keeping track at home, everybody. Yeah. This is where the king officially became perverted on TV. From that moment <laughs> forward that Quinn alluded to earlier. Yeah, with the tiptoes. Table table yeah. <laughs> where Sable takes off her shirt and the handprints. To reveal the painted on handprints, and King yeah. is like all of a sudden like Daffy Duck. Yeah, he's, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's just like, wow. You can blame that moment for King being the way he was the rest of his career. And not the rest of it. I mean, until about oh four. Yeah, he's, okay. He, yeah, that it didn't last forever. Well, when you get to be like near sixty, it becomes embarrassing to be yeah. like that. Okay. Okay. Unless you're Mick Jagger. Fair enough. So anyway, <laughs> this is a recap that we're watching. A video <laughs> it's, package. It's amazing, by the way. Then we get some sad music. Yeah, like that. <laughs> because we find out <gasps> that Vince disqualified Sable for wearing the body paint. Vince then wanders out, gets really creepy, and says that Sable is allowed to stay employed as long as she doesn't become an ungrateful bitch. What the hell? Okay, first of all, why does Vince have anything to do with her, like, in kayfabe yes. at this point? Second of all, incidentally, yeah. becoming an ungrateful bitch is precisely what she would do the following year well, when she left. Okay, in her defense, she was, like, far removed from the, this ah, angle at that point. Like, I'm just saying. I'm, say- I'm just ironic. saying. Like, yeah, it, it's ironic, but it's also, like, who cares? Like, You know what? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Right? It's Sable. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Anyway, so we get D'Lo Brown with Mark Henry. They're still in the nation at and this D'Lo point. And D'Lo doing, like, the awesome like head bob like European champion the chest protector like he's in full like D'Lo is awesome mode I'll tell you what I was on the D'Lo Brown bandwagon me too throughout 98 he is good into 99 and then when he injured draws they they de-pushed him right oh badly and he it, never was a thing ever again and it was an accident too which is the sad part it's somebody threw something or whatever he it was not on his something. fault i don't get it it's just sad he something happened and he just messed up a power bomb and injured draws and actually paralyzed him from the waist down and it's sad because d'lo brown honestly was 
on the up. He was on the cusp of like something stardom big. here. Yeah, like big deal. He had the charisma. Yeah. He had this just this innate talent to connect with the audience and right. be likable. And this is a guy that came from being like just a guy that stood in the background for the nation of, of the domination. Nation, yeah. He built him all by himself, too. This is like he was one of the hardest working men in yep. the attitude era. Like excellent wrestler, yeah. too. Great he was. wrestler. He was yeah. really he was good. Good at everything. He was an excellent, excellent talent. It's a shame what happened to both him and Draws, yeah. obviously. Uh, both guys, it sucks. But what are you going to do? Nobody won out of that situation. Nobody won. But these are happier times when you've got European champion Dilo with his chest protector and Mark Henry, so underappreciated by us back in 98. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's so good. Yeah. He, he's just, he's he's fantastic. <laughs> Quinn and I, when we turned about 30 yeah. recently, within the last year or two, we had this like epiphany yeah. that Mark Henry was good this entire time. Right. And it wasn't just like, you know, since the salmon coat or in like all no. the like things that people think of how Mark Henry's good now. He was good ever since he turned heel. He was always good. He was always good. Yeah. His feud with Vader, remember in 98? Yeah, just go look back. Like, it's stunning. Like, it's like, how did we miss this? He's so freaking fun. Brainerism and, like, all that crap. <laughs> he's just a big, fat, strong guy, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah, he's just, he's and, but he's funny, too. He's funny. He's just like, yeah. you know? Yeah, Love excellent. Him. Love him. So D'Lo is fighting here, believe it or not, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, for and the European I, title. Yeah, and I ask you here, is like, how's D'Lo going to beat Ken Shamrock? Is like Mark Henry going to sit on him or something? Like, <laughs> seriously, like, I was forgetting, honestly, because back then, titles just, you know, they just moved around. It didn't fucking matter. Very true. And so, like, I thought, are they going to do a title change on Heat on, like, the first episode? Wouldn't be past the point of possibility, yeah. right? Yeah. But for the record... Because this is right where Shamrock started changing his tights. Mm -hmm. He's still got the red here. Yeah, so he's like still a big deal. The red yeah. was when he was getting the push. The blue is when he was on the downturn he and then he turned heel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Timmy White is the referee. Mm -hmm. And Shamrock dominates, of course, to start. But Which he should. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, he honestly is an MMA guy fighting wacky D'Lo. Yeah, big goofy D'Lo. Yeah. D'Lo does manage to throw him into the outside, but then Henry just casually walks by with a clothesline. <laughs> awesome. Mark Henry is awesome. He's great. Yeah. Dan Severn then wanders out in a very snazzy suit. Yeah, but he has. Okay, I hate when people do this. And, you know, if you do this fine, I don't like when people wear a black coat with like the khaki pants or whatever. <laughs> and that's like what Dan Severn's wearing. It's like he's not exactly snazzy. He just looks like a big brute in a suit. <laughs> big brute in a suit. Yeah. Also, Steve Blackman wanders out. With, yeah, but just like, you yeah, know, no shirt, just no shirt and his like regular like karate pants, pants or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gym pants is even yeah. better. Why are they even out here, Quinn? Do you I, know? I have no idea. Is it just like, hey, let's get three like martial art guys? I think what they were setting up for here, and we were basically blowing the finish, but like they're basically setting up like, look at all these MMA guys are going to fight each other, basically. Which, you know what's weird? To the best of my knowledge, Quinn, what? Shamrock and Sever never fought in WWE. Which is a shame because that's actually like, if they did it a shoot style fight, like that's the only thing Dan Severn's good for. He sucks. <laughs> like, otherwise. Didn't he wear like a, a gray sweatshirt a lot when yeah, he wrestled? Yeah, he wore a lot of belts too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, motherfucker, Dan yeah. Severn! Best so thing ever! <laughs> big belly to belly by Shamrock, but the chest protector actually hurts him as well. Right. Which awesome. The, the announcers don't pick up on. Yeah, we noticed it because they're both knocked out like randomly after. Yeah. And it's like, well, the chest protector. It hurt Shamrock too. So then Shamrock busts out a hurricanrana. Awesome. 
awesome. Like more like a Frankenstein. It was a the good one. It, yeah. yeah, it was actually really good. Dilo rolls out and then goes outside and shoves Severin. So he jumps in. Yeah, Dilo wins by DQ. Then Shamrock gets all mad at Severin. So Blackman's trying to keep the peace. And yeah. Quinn, you said to me. Severin sucks. Yeah, Severin, he does suck, and he shouldn't even be here. <laughs> like, all, honestly, like, I know, I'd rather just watch, like, Ken, uh, Ken Shamrock fight Steve Blackman. Like, well, I that, like Steve Blackman. Happened. Yeah. I like Blackman, too. Yeah, he that's He's a, not that, bad. That's a guy, if there was, like, ever, like, an underrated segment again or anything yeah. like that. Like, Steve Blackman was good. He was good. He was good. He actually was. He could even have fun, like, the whole, like, I'm serious, but, like, put a goofy hat on my head or whatever. That was the whole point of him, right? Yeah, that was why he was cool. Yeah, because he was supposed to be, like, serious and boring. Yeah, he just went with the flow, though. Like, he would just go with whatever. I agree with you. I like Blackman. Shane's lady friends are still at the table, by the way. This whole (laughs) show, like we said. And then Shamrock just beats up the steps with the chair. He snaps. Yeah, he snaps. Was this like, he had already snapped at this point. Oh, yeah, way before. So, like, basically, whenever Shamrock lost, he would, like, do this, I'm snapping. And the girls are like, ah, Like, (laughs) basically, like, seriously. Yeah. All whiny. Then we get a SummerSlam promo. It's a highway to hell, Quinn, four weeks away. Yeah, with the music, because this is unedited. That's right. So anyway, here, we've got SummerSlam coming up, and then we get another promo. It's some other girl from Pacific Blue, or Pac Blue. Yeah. Talks to Bart Gunn, and then Quinn tells me, never call it Pac Blue. Please, yeah, never. Like, that... Sorry. Bullshit. I hate when they do this with shows that, like, where they try to give like a, a short nickname. Yeah. I hate it so much. Especially when it's a show that didn't last that long. It's about biker cops. Get out of here. <laughs> Bicycle cops, yeah. you should say. Well, they were biking. <laughs> uh, but not even bikers like, rum, rum, yeah. you know? More like, pedal, pedal. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Mario Lopez. <laughs> I hate Preppy. Yeah. Then we get a nice clip of Bark Gun knocking out <laughs> Dr. Death. This is so good because as we had talked about in the why did they bother with Brawl for All, like, <laughs> nobody expected this. Dr. Death looked like shit. Like, it was like, he's so, my boy. He's so good, right? <laughs> and he just gets his ass handed to him. And the best part about this, it's almost like insult to injury. Like, the Pacific Blue girl is, like, crawling over Bark Gun oh. be- because he beat him. She's like, oh, it was so sexy when he knocked out <laughs> Dr. Death. I'm like, fuck yeah! Like, <laughs> Bark Gun deserves it! That asshole thought he was so damn good. And, like, you know... Nobody cares. Bark Gun is the one to do it. It's amazing. Yeah, Quinn and I, when when this came on and they showed the clip of of Doctor Death, we just started laughing. Yeah, we just started laughing like yeah. we're doing now. So Austin is backstage watching this and drinking. That's a good plan. Like, depressingly, like he's like by himself <laughs> oh, drinking man. beers. He's not even like excited. I'm gonna watch this damn match. Eh? It's like he looks like an alcoholic back there. He doesn't look like he's drinking for fun. He's having a Steve Weiser. <laughs> That you know what? That's not what the name of the beer was. I don't know. Like, is that like a could you buy Steve Weiser in the store? You might now because he owns like his own like brew or whatever. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you can buy a Stone Cold Austin beer, whatever. It's yeah, real. but it's it's isn't it? It's not like an it's not like a Budweiser type of beer. No, is it? it's like an IPA. He's very proud of so it. So out of character. To, yeah, go listen to his show. Well, actually, he <laughs> this is a side tangent, but Steve. Like, he will go on about how, uh, you know, I didn't like IPAs, but, you know, a friend of mine turned me on to them a couple years ago. Yeah, he really, like, says this all the time. They are good beers. Yeah. IPAs are great. Yeah, Austin is now, like, he switched from, like, his, like, Miller Lite days. Like, he's now to, onto the IPAs. You know what was always very interesting, too, about Austin's beer choices? Mm-hmm. He would always say Steve Weiser. Yeah, but he always drank like Coors, Coors Light or something. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm, yeah. This is why Quinn and I have been yeah. doing this. Yeah, I, it's true, though. <laughs> so anyway, we got a very strange main event, pretty much. Main event here with a lot of star power. I'll run it down for you. You've got Kane, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and mankind. Right. With Paul Bearer, of course, mm-hmm. teaming up against The Rock and Owen Hart. Yeah, and the winner gets to face the tag team champions of Austin and Undertaker. But I didn't even remember this. Yeah, like, isn't I was that like, crazy? When did this freaking happen? How many times did Austin win the tag title with some random person? Every time. Yeah. Dude Love, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, just the list goes on and on. Yeah. Or it might end there. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, he won it too many times. Yeah. So we get a big Rocky Sucks chant. You know what's very interesting about this? Mm-hmm. The Rock was only about a month away from unofficially turning face the yeah, first the, time. with the guy with the cooking in the crowd. At yeah, Survivor the cooking City. guy, right. Yeah. yeah, because what happened with The Rock's trajectory <laughs> here is right after SummerSlam, the fans were like, all right, he lost the title, hell of a ladder match, we love The Rock. Right, like, it's like, fuck Triple H. Like, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. right. It was, that was like the downturn of DX and yeah. the upswing of The Rock right. was right around SummerSlam. So The Rock was like, uh, and I'm just doing this because, honestly, it's nice to provide some context for the fans mm-hmm. at home. The Rock became an unofficial face, meaning he never really did anything to make him a face. It's just people liked him. That's so, it. Yeah, so he it was, was just cheered. Yep. Yeah. And that lasted until the Survivor Series, of course. And then he mm-hmm. officially stayed heel or turned heel or whatever you want to call it. Yep. At Survivor Series. Basically, yeah. So and then. Honestly, there's some very important information coming up. Oh, yeah. Like after this, uh, like on the crawl, the yeah. bottom thing, it uh-huh. says La Femme Nikita and Pacific Blue. Oh, wow. Uh, tonight. Pac Blue and LFN. <laughs> yeah, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, La Femme Nikita. Remember that show? I do, actually, because it was always on after Raw for yeah. like a million years. Texas Ranger was on before. That's what a Ranger's gotta be. Right. When you said to me, this is the best version of Mankind, care to elaborate? Yeah, the, the kind where he just is like, no, I'm freaking Mankind now. Like, after he was like done with Dude Love and Cactus Jack, and he right. had just the like shirt like the dress mm-hmm. shirt with the tie but it's not tucked in and it's all like frayed at the end yeah and he's still a heel here so he's like half goofy yeah he's just like a dick too though he's kind of just like withdrawn and yeah, dicky. yeah yeah he's, he's not, awesome he is mick foley is awesome in 98 yeah he's he's so like he's so many things at this point and he's great he's great he yeah. really and kane this is the best i know other people like kane at like, different points in his career 98 kane is my favorite that's the best kane uh, yeah and, I mean, I really think yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, he had some other fun stuff, yeah. but I, he always used to have, like, brief periods, like, later on with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was good. Or just, like, sometimes... O2 came yeah, was yeah, good. Yeah, it's just some... other weird stuff he did. Like, right, but 98 came when he was fresh, when yeah, he was young. This was the most prolonged good came. Absolutely. Absolutely was. So, another guy that would be in a face in a month, Quinn, is Mankind. Very right. interestingly, yeah. right after SummerSlam, things were starting to change here. Like, things were starting to change, right? It was things were moving on from just Austin as the lone, like big best, face, right? Best DX, face, yeah. Because what would happen there is Kane and Undertaker wound up being in cahoots. Kane abandoned Mankind, right? Mankind started playing up the goofy, sympathetic character, yeah. And I think what really put it over the top was Mister Sacco in a couple of months, right? And then he, you know, he had a thing that kids could love basically launched into the stratosphere i never thought i would see mick foley as world champion no it's it seemed like unthinkable he was like monster of the month before that like he wasn't champion of the world he was just the guy that usually fought the undertaker or something yeah, yeah <laughs> That's exactly like all he was it's like oh undertaker's not doing anything let's have him fight mankind <laughs> right and the reason i'm saying this folks is because this show is actually at the precipice, I guess, of a very weird turn, which would be the the latter quarter of 1998 into 1999. This is the end of that, like, I always say this, up to about SummerSlam, 
was the best part of the Russo era. I know Quinn includes Survivor Series, and I, I can't yeah. disqualify that. Survivor Series was good. Right. But really, things started to change after the summer here. We're at, like, Russo peak right now. We are. And this show is proof. It's really entertaining, regardless of all the smut oh, and nonsense. Oh, it's so stupid, but... It, there's just so much going on. Yeah, in the same way that last week when we talked about that syndicated superstars from 90. Yeah. And that's how you do that. Right. And yes, there's no good wrestling, and no, it, none of it matters. This is the same shit. Yeah. Not, this doesn't matter well, to your life. it does. I mean, the tag title shot's on the line. Yeah, I know, but like, even so, the tag titles almost don't matter by right. this point. But it's a great fill of an hour. Yeah, it's fi- It's a fine piece of television. And that's what Vince Russo was good at, delivering a fine piece of television. Yeah, for all the, and he did do it, for all the wrestling that he shoved to the side, and believe me, he did. Yeah. he. I don't know if he liked wrestling. He did, <laughs> but he just, he got carried away, that's all. But he knew how to make up for it to an extent especially in this heyday, with random shit like Slater tackling Val Venus. Yeah, that was good. With Shane having two women with him for no reason yeah. the whole show. And, and I love that it actually goes through the whole show because, like, usually they would always find some excuse to make right. them go away, but, like, that doesn't make any sense in real life. This guy's the son of the owner. Like, if he wants to sit with these girls the whole time, he should be right. allowed to. In fact, King is the one that went away. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Which is actually very funny. JR with the HR joke. Yeah. <laughs> like human resources is like, oh, you better get out of here. Yeah. We don't want you doing anything. Uh, you know, can't trust iffy. him around the girls. <laughs> I guess back to the match here. We get the Nuska and the Huska by Mankind. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> Huska. <laughs> and then Kane tags in for some nice choking. Uh, Earl Crappy is the ref, by the way. I'll shush. I should note. He's fine here. Earl sucks. Then, now, and forever. I should note, <laughs> Quinn, that Kane has the double-sleeved attire tonight. Yes, and, you know, this is because he had the burn marks on him, so obviously. <laughs> I never understood, though, like, why know. did he go short-sleeved? Wasn't his whole gimmick that his whole body was burned by the Undertaker in some horrific fire? Yeah, but the whole thing with that whole storyline, one of these days, we should do a whole one-hour special on their whole, like, family history. Yeah, and Kane then another one-hour special on the entire, like, what's the higher of the WWE and kayfabe. Yeah, it's a good one, too. Yeah. So stay tuned for the OVP one-hour specials. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a big nugget chant. Mm-hmm. Nugget, of course, meaning Owen Hart. Nugget. Nugget. I feel like that was always kind of affectionate, though, right? Sort of. <laughs> you think that maybe not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe that's I'm just a little sure. too romantic of me yeah, to think yeah, that way. No. Okay. Big top rope clothesline, which I love when he used to do that by Kane, mm-hmm. gets two. As we go to commercial, when we come back, Mankind is getting beat up by Owen and The Rock. Right. And as you mentioned, Quinn, the winners of this meet Austin and Undertaker tomorrow, the tag champs. Right. You had a very good question for me. Yeah, why don't they just have the New Age Outlaws be the tag champs as usual? Like, what's with all these mega teams here? Like, this is ridiculous. You finally see the light, Quinn. No, why but I don't this, like when teams like that win the tag champs. There's a time and a place for that, but I don't know. Like, at this period of time, when you have the Outlaws, why the hell are these guys... Fi- what happened? How did they even know. lose the belts? They lost them to Kane and Mankind. For why? What ha- what happened? I don't know. That's stupid. And Kane and Mankind lost them to Austin and the Undertaker, and then somehow they've got pawned back off onto that loss. Yeah, it's right? just like yeah, I don't I don't remember how exactly, but yeah, they oh it's SummerSlam, cool ninety eight. Awesome. Outlaws won them back, and everyone was all happy. It was like, oh, good, finally. Yeah, back to regular they have them again. stuff again. <laughs> so Kane beats up Owen for a while, but Owen escapes the choke slam with an enziguri. Nice one. Mm-hmm. And then a big missile drop kick, which Owen's wrestling like a face. I yeah. love it. No. Everyone's a heel. Yeah, but I mean, I guess... The Rock and Owen are more likable. Yeah, they're more likable. Exactly. They yeah, there's no... 
There's no getting around it. As good of a slimy heel as Owen could play, and he did. Yeah. He could also flip that switch and be a sympathetic face like exactly. nothing. Yep. He was so underrated at that. Yeah. And, you know, if he had lived longer, I'm sure people would like their be more reverence for him. Absolutely. So. Yeah. He was a very talented wrestler. Right. Even in this down, latter part of his career where he didn't care as much. But I mean, we don't even know. Like, uh, True. rumor has it is like they could have just, you know, this is obviously they didn't have anything for him because no more Brett. Yep. And like, this was like a rebuilding time for Owen. Yeah. It's not like he was ever really deep pushed. He was no. always a pretty prominent guy, right? Right. In 98, 99. And after he came back after that little break after the mm-hmm. Montreal incident, I mean, he was immediately feuding with DX. That's right. And that yep. lasted for a long time. And then yeah. he had a tag run with Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. He did all right. He did okay. He honestly did okay. So anyway, Mankind and Kane double team Owen on the outside, but then The Rock runs over. Owen sneaks right back in before the 10 count for the win. They get the title shot. Now, The Rock and Owen didn't win the tag title, so what I'm wondering is if somehow the next night on Raw, it got changed, because all I know is... Kane and Mankind did win them back. Maybe they got jumped or something on at the beginning. Because it's back in that time. Yeah, where, where it didn't like, matter. Even The Rock could get jumped and he'd be just gone for yeah, some exactly. reason. Like, That's true. So anyway, we go backstage with Michael Cole with Steve Austin. We show a clip of The Undertaker drinking a beer that Austin threw him yeah, last Monday. It says and, something about how he thought he was thirsty. That he doesn't <laughs> like him. Give him a beer. I don't care. I don't know. They give it down to I, me. I love this because it shows that the Austin character still hasn't like changed yet. No, he's still it's a jerk. still this guy who doesn't like anybody. He doesn't like anyone. Yeah. Because Michael Cole's like, oh, well, does it mean that you like each other? He's like, no, I just wanted he drank a beer. I gave it to him. That's it. Look, thirsty, so I tossed him a beer. Don't mean nothing other than that to me. I threw him a damn beer and he drank it. That's all it was. I wish Austin punched Michael Cole here. He's, like, so dweeby. <laughs> like, he sucks. Well, <laughs> he sucks. Like, why? Austin does call him a jackass at one point. Can't you just send someone important to go interview him? Like JR or something? Yeah. Oh, Austin, what about King? He's been exiled yeah, to the back. That's true. Ah! Uh, and then Austin gets all mad because, apparently, Kane and Mankind attacked him on Monday. But the Undertaker didn't help. And he's like, well, not that I needed their help, but he still didn't help. I love that he throws in that he, yeah. he guy's like, uh, I don't need their help. But, you know, he should have. Because, yeah. like, <laughs> I, I'm just, I, we're champions. Like, what the fuck? He's, like, morally upset yeah. about it. Yeah, he's like, this is, it, it's the principle, like yeah. you said. It's like, he's his partner. He probably should have helped, even though Austin doesn't need any help. Yeah, right. <laughs> just to clarify, yeah. he doesn't need your help, but why the fuck didn't you? Yeah. That's basically yeah. his problem. So, anyway, he says Cole's starting to piss him off. Well naturally yeah i would be pissed to have michael cole with a mic in my face at any point in time <laughs> that'll end the promo and then shane and jr say goodbye quinn what'd you think of this this was an interesting little time capsule this was an entertaining hour of television i was, it was fine with this and it was just a nice time capsule of like yeah. wwf during that period of time right during the one of the heights of the attitude era not in terms of revenue you know so much or ratings because yeah. they would get better for both of them they're better than better now not ratings but revenue wise like yeah Jeez, like, but in terms of fan interest, and I think, and, and this is the era where starting a little bit earlier in the year, the crowd was always hot for everything. Oh yeah, there's like one thousand signs in the crowd during this. It. By the way, we didn't note that, but there's somebody that has like a sign that's the size of like three rows high. It's awesome. Yeah, this was such a great era for the WWF to be a fan back then. Yeah, unless for whatever reason you just didn't like it, but I think a lot of people did, as evidenced by the ratings. Yeah, and just the fact that they could put a show on in the Sunday night 
death slot like live and like people were like this is awesome i yep. want to watch it now the interesting thing is here as an epilogue you know we went into the network you know history of heat but the importance of it you know was a different story because yes this first episode was a big deal and, right. and the first several were i remember that they still tried to keep it going by the time you hit halftime heat, which was January of 99, that was probably the peak of heat mattering. Yeah, that was basically it. What do you do after that? Yeah, then that was the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Sunday Night Heat put on the Rock Mankind match for the world, world title. title. Yeah, and, and, and it changed hands, too. It changed hands. By August of 99, so that's about a year after the show started, mm-hmm. SmackDown debuts on Thursday nights. Yeah, now we got three shows, so obviously somebody's got to go. So heat basically became... The C Show. Yeah. And if we know anything about any promotion, the C Show never matters. It's always crap. It was always like Al Snow versus Rico or something. Right. Like, you know, like just junk. Yeah, it was just junk. Yeah. So Heat had about a year of mattering. Mm -hmm. And I'd say maybe about three to six months of actually really having higher level stuff on it. Yeah. Not every show was like this. No, no. Within within a few weeks, not every show would be like this. This was kind of awesome it was better than some raws back then it was really good like as it was fast because they only had an hour to get to their point so it was like all right we're doing this 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 done yeah a lot of star power right tons of star power yeah Yeah. so overall i'd say that was one of the better things we've watched i mean certainly no good wrestling on it no but but it was so compelling like it was just like i just wanted to see what was going to happen next like after every segment absolutely and folks speaking of what's going to happen next we want you to tune in to us next week because it's episode number 49 that's right we are just two more episodes away from the season five finale quinn it's going to be quite a doozy yeah and get your fan suggestions in for next week because we're going to really be scouring them that's right we are doing all of your suggestions next not all of them but all your suggestions next week nothing that we pick on our own yeah it's all fan requested material next week yes quinn. and you know what we're going to continue that trend throughout season six yep so keep sending them in you can do that by going to our website and going to the suggestions page of course reach us on twitter at ovp podcast you can email us at ovp podcast at gmail.com and of course go to the facebook group folks thank you so much for spending episode number 48 with us we will see you next week for episode number 49 see ya due to the fact that body paint does not constitute a bikini mr mcmahon has disqualified sable from the bikini contest Contractually here in the World Wrestling Federation. Who was the knight in shining armor that came to your rescue? Me. You owe me, Sable. And when people like you owe me, I generally collect. However, your knight in shining armor will allow you to continue to be gainfully employed here in the World Wrestling Federation just as long as you don't become an ungrateful... Will you stop?